everybody, this is Jimmy Corain, and you're listening to another great episode of Improv Nerd. Our guest today is Jill Valentine. She is the executive director of the 6th Annual Chicago Women's Funny Festival right here at Stage 773, where we recorded it at the festival. She's also a great improviser, performer, and person who's committed to staying in Chicago and creating her own shows. We talked to Jill about how women's roles have changed in improv in Chicago when she first started way back in 1999, why making bold choices in her improv is so important to her, and why she does not give herself notes after improvising. Before we get to that episode, I think I've been talking about this, maybe not. Uh, I've been working on another one-person show, uh, and it uh, I kind of hit a, a, in the last month, I, I, I think I got a little scared of, because it was happening so fast and it was it was uh, the writing was 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 easy and and I was I was afraid I was getting bigger um, and and and, and we, for me I, I always feel uh, I, I I'm, I'm exposing myself and I'm, I'm feeling really really vulnerable and and I, I quietly I quietly sabotage myself and and basically for the last month or so it just shut down well I did a story night um, uh, Monday. So I had to work on a, a piece, and it was a very. It, it turned out to be a great piece. Lauren helped me with it, and it was just fun collaborating with Lauren. It was about when we first went to a fertility doctor, and they found out that my sperm was no good, and uh, they wanted us to get a sperm donor. And it was it was a really funny piece, and I did it on Monday night, and it did really really well, and I was feeling really great about it. And then my friend John um, Hildreth who is not only an amazing improviser, he is, I never realized it, he is an amazing storyteller. And he told this wonderful story about him uh, being the only African-American uh, kid in uh, an all-white um, Boy Scout camp. And it is just, he is just, he was amazing. And of course, I compare myself to John, and, uh, and I was like, and, and, and so I was like, oh, I can never be as good as John and... Um, and I was just, I, I was just, I, it was just took, you know, the joy out of it for me. And so what, I, and then as I, you know, as, as the days wore on, I was like, oh, John did this really well. John did that. I'm going to incorporate that. And, and I could use it as a learning experience. But initially, uh, you know, I lo- used it to compare myself to him. Um, and it's just, it's not, it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing because we all have our own voice, you know, and um, I just have to remember that. I just have to remember that. And I got to tell you something. His piece was amazing and I learned a lot from it. But initially I was just like, oh, I'm never going to be that good. So sometimes it's hard for me, as you can imagine. But, um, you know, it's me. And this is what you expect from me. So I'm over that. And, and now I, I'm, I'm using it as a learning experience because I did learn by watching John. So it was hard for me to say that. It was really hard for me to say that. Well, enough about me. Uh, you're going to love this episode. It was, uh, it's a live episode, like I said, and we filmed it, uh, taped it. Uh, we also filmed it, believe it or not. Uh, and it, you will be seeing those clips hopefully uh, soon on the YouTube channel. 
uh, and we taped it for you, uh, and we got to improvise, and Jill is a great improviser, and she has so much great stuff to say. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. Here it is, the Jill Valentine episode. Enjoy. You know I love you. Yes. Okay. You leave me notes that say I love I, you on my yeah, desk. When I send a rent check or something, yes. I, I always put love, I love Jill, you. Valentine. Yes, and I And then I do you. something very creative. Sometimes I'll write like a Valentine, like a heart. With yes. A, yeah. <laughs> um, so I really do because uh, how long have I been associated with the theater? Ten? Since we opened. opened yeah, yeah. Which is how long has that been? We're seven years this yeah. year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you then were a little before beginning. that when you had the theater built. Right. Yeah. So, um, and I love working with you. So just, oh, I love working with you. Um, so you grew up in Oak Lawn, yes, which is a south suburb of Chicago. Yes, and your dad was a Marine. Yes, and he also worked for the fire department. Yeah, and w- and you told me that he's the one who helped you become a feminist. Can yes, you explain. <laughs> well, he had three girls, and I think that was maybe not like his favorite thing. No, I'm joking. He, but he <laughs> did wanted, he want boys? I'm sure he did. You know, but um, you know, big sports guy and that sort of thing. And um, then he had three girls. And he treated us, you know, like human beings, not like women, not like men. He just, you know, he's like, you're going to throw a ball. You're going to play sports. You're going to, you know, have a big, strong point of view. And then, you know, as we evolved and he was like, oh, God, what did I do? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so, yeah. So he, you know, yeah, we were all, all three of us are pretty strong. And you were also a ham, you said. Yeah. Uh, and you said good at sports. You were good at softball and volleyball. Yeah. Uh, and then you got to high school, and you found the speech and debate team. Yes. What changed for you? It was like my tribe, <laughs> you know. I uh, Yeah, the Oaklawn Theater Department was kind of um, really good, actually, even though we were performing in a gym, you know. Uh, but it was a great theater department. The um, man, Zers, he, um, uh, he ran the speech and the theater department, and he was totally devoted. And so, you know, I found the people around me that were just like me. And, uh, yeah, it was just, it was great. I found my, my place. And then you go off to Bradley. Yeah. Bradley university. Yep. But really you wanted at that point after high school, you wanted right to go to second city. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Going right there. Yeah. And how did you know about second city? I had taken a second city class in high school. They had a, I think like one class and, I don't know if my mom had heard about it, but my mom was really supportive of me, you know, pursuing that because I was way into it. And at that point, right after high school, what what was your your dream? Second City, you know, SNL, doing it all, you know, uh, just being on stage. I just wanted to be on stage. So how did you decide, okay, I'm going to go to college instead? My mom and dad thought it was a good idea. <laughs> no, it was smart. I'm so glad I did, you know. Um, In what way? Um... I think you find out who you are, like, as a human. Like, you know, you're put off into the world, and it's like, am I the guy that makes my bed? Yeah, I'm going to make my bed. Okay. You know, am I the guy that stays out? You know, yes, a lot, but I get my work done. And, you know, you see what kind of human you are without supervision, really, you know? And I traveled, you know, the country, you know, competitive speech. And you won a lot of awards. Bradley did. Yeah, Bradley was number one in the nation in seven out of the eight um, national tournaments we we won. In speech and debate. Yeah, speech. It's speech, yeah. But but when we hear speech, can you explain what it really is? It's like competitive acting. 
So what kind of stuff would you do? Then? Uh, like, for instance, there's an event called dramatic interpretation. And it's like you take a play. It's like the weirdest art form ever. But it's like this huge co-culture that is out there. And even more subculture than improv. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Even. And what's the weird quotient? Are they weirder people than improv people? Or um, what would you say? They're more probably nerdy? the same. A little maybe more nerdy. Okay. But it's, um, it's really competitive. Like, people are way competitive. Like cutthroat like, competitive? Yes, okay. yeah, yeah. You're in suits and you're, you know, it's really weird. <laughs> like after the fact, once you're out of it, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> but in it, you're like, yeah, this is great. <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad I did it. It was, it was really, it was a great four years. I really enjoyed college. And then you graduate Bradley yep. and you're like, I'm going to Second City. Yeah, yeah. And you, and you get, uh, you start in the training center or, or IFA. IFA. And then you have, you have Michael Gelman for like every Every class, and yes. What was it about Michael Gelman that you clicked with? He's so direct and terrifying. Um, Were you scared of him? Yes, but like scared and also like he's the king of improv, you know, so like inspired and terrified of him. But I, I loved how direct he was. What did you learn from him specifically? Um, I think bold choices was like a big thing with him. Um, he also, when you did it right, he was just direct. It was great, you know, or that sucked, you know, you're like, okay, yeah, I know that sucked, you know. He was just like, there was no... You know, he was he, he said what he wanted to say, and he said it directly. And why is that helpful to be direct? Because improv, when people start out, we can do, you know, a lot yeah. of times it's like, oh, everything you do is great. Right. Why was that helpful for you for to hear somebody be so direct? That's great. That sucks. I think because that's how I am a little bit, you know. I um, <laughs> Yeah, like, I, I, I like to get to it, you know, like, let's there's a lot of noise, but let's get to the meat a little bit. And that might be like the South side in me, you know, like I'm from the South side and they're, you know, yeah, let's get to it. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. 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 So it might be a little that too. Um, then you, at this time you get involved in a musical sketch group Yes. called Cupid players. Yes. Tell us a little about Cupid players and what made them so unique at that time, because I don't think anybody was doing musical sketch no. back then. No, Brian Posen. Um, what year is this? Would you say like 99? Okay. Yeah. Brian Posen put out an audition, and I saw music, you know, musical comedy, and I was like, okay, that's interesting. And I went, and um, I think he cast like 25 people in the first show, which is a, a mess. But <laughs> no one had ever, ever heard of musical sketch comedy. It just wasn't a thing yet, you know. So when we did it, it was like, oh, every scene's going to go to song. This is new. This is interesting. Um, and it got extended and extended and extended at the Skybox. And then... Um, you know, he was like, do you want to do another show? And a couple of us, you know, Mandy, who's, you know, my best friend in the whole world. I call her my soulmate. Um, she she was like, you going to do it? I'm like, yeah, I think I'll do it. So we did the second show. He didn't even know my name at the time. He was like, the blonde chick, you do this. You know, like he didn't. But now, you know, Brian and I are very close. Right. And what is it that you liked about musical sketch? I love anything that has to do with music. Like, I'm definitely a musical theater junkie. Like, I, I love musical theater. I love when people go into song. Like, it's just inside of me. And you said, working with Cupid, you learned that you loved working with an ensemble. Yeah. What are things people can do to have the same experience you had with Cupid? Because people say, oh, I love working with an ensemble. But what is it to be, like, a good ensemble player? Um, I think it's about, it's not about the individual. It's about the whole. And, um... No one's going to make a group and no one's going to break it. It's about the ensemble. Now, you said that, and I think it's yeah. really interesting. What was your experience that, that you learned that? 
Um, with Cupid. Well, I that when I found Cupid, I found my family, my mm-hmm. comedy family. These are people I've I've been friends with. Like we've gone through marriages, divorces, babies, miscarriage. Like we are just like this is these are people I know for the rest of my life. And there's people that came and you know were here and then gone. But this was a weird situation where you have a group that stayed together that's still together, and now it's you know evolved over the years. But we did an open run for about ten years almost, you know. Um, so. What was the question? <laughs> the question was, what was it in Cupid that you had experienced? And you, we, we, it's not about the names. Yeah. That you, reali- that, that you came to realization that it's not about, about one, oh, one person. person. I think because when you're with a group that's been together so long and you have like this like ginormous talent and that talent's like, I got to go. I'm done. And they walk away and you're like, no, we're going to die. And then it's like, oh, no, we're not going to die. Oh, there's another guy, too. We're okay. We're okay. You know, it's more about, you know, the group as a whole and not an individual. So what happens? So you're, you're doing this. And then the one person that you're like, oh, this, you know, yeah. we, we, we can't go on. We can't go on without this person. They leave. Yes. All right. Then what happens to the other members of the group to step up? What, what happens to that process? Does it happen immediately? Um, I think, yeah, there's definitely a shuffle, you know, and also when new blood comes in, everyone's like, who's this guy? Are they going to take my, my shit? Are they going to take my parts and all that? You know, so it's good, though, because it, it gets everyone kind of, you know, zhuzhed up a little bit. So, um, yeah, I think then it starts falling into place and you see people stepping up and, and that sort of thing. Um, and the other thing about Cupid is it was not a success from the beginning. <laughs> so as a producer, and that's one of the hats that you wear, Yeah. Um, what did you learn about, like, like producing with Cupid? Um, when they say like word of mouth marketing, that is for real, but it took many words of mouths, um, and many years. And also when you change the name and the title of a show to something dirty, you're going to sell tickets because when you're selling Cupid players, like what is that? But then you change that to Cupid has a heart on and it's like ticket sales are crazy. (laughs) So yeah, like people, people like the dirty. So what do you say to the person that goes, you know what, our show is great. We're just, you know, if you build it, they will come. What do you tell people who think that way? I think that's true. If it's good, they will come. But I'm talking like as much time as you're putting onto the stage is as much time you have to put in your producing side of things, you know. And and you, you have to put in the work. It's going to take, it takes time, you know, for things to, for people to start hearing it and understanding it. Because unless you have a big marketing budget, of money that you can throw on the table to, you know, sell ads and blah, blah, blah. You know, if you are doing the word of mouth marketing, it's, it takes time. And the other thing that I, I'm always fascinated with, and, and I suffer from this as well, is getting people, asking your friends and family, people you work <laughs> with to come to your shows. Why do you think improvisers and people in sketch and, and, and comedy and stuff have such a hard time today asking them to come to their shows? I think because... You know, like, for instance, I'm in a group off off Broadway. It's like, well, I've been asking them for seven years, and they keep coming. But it's like, I, I, but, you know, seven years of asks. Right. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, my God, Jill, leave me alone, you know? <laughs> so, like, with Cupid, it, it gets to the point where it was like, I don't know one person in this audience, and there's 120 people every week, you know? And that's where it got when we were at the height, you know, at I.O. There, there was not anyone we knew in the audience, and it was always packed. But that comes because you you first have to ask family and friends exactly. people you work with. Yes. Uh, um, you you also do musical improv. Yes. And you did the deltone. Yes. Um, and you said you were terrified oh, to yes. do it. Tell us about that. 
Well, Sharna um, asked me to come in and do it, and I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Because, like, we're talking, like, all the greats are on stage in that show, you know? And so I was terrified, like, literally almost crying before Like, Joe shows. Bill's in there, Stacey Smith's in there. Tara DeFrancisco, Craig Mueller, like, all these big names. At the time, it was, you know, Jet and Jet Lindsay Haley. Lindsay Haley. Yeah, all of these, like, yeah. It, so it was really scary, Um but it, it was like one of my favorite shows ever. But every week I was like, oh, oh God. And then afterward I'd be like, that was awesome. <laughs> so it was just like, you know, because they're amazing. So you're gonna, they're going to make you look amazing. So what do you do with that? the, the first couple times you do it? You're filled with fear. You're probably yes. a little intimidated. Yes. How do you get over that? Just step out. Just step out on stage and just start. You know, just do it. There's nothing really. Like, because if you sit back and you're like, oh, my God. You know, I think the fact that I just like... Just make the move, and then, all right, get it out of your system. Now, when you say that, is, is, in your head, are you going, I'm going to be, I'm going to get out pretty quickly in this yes. show? Okay. That's what I do if I'm, like, really shitting my pants. <laughs> yeah. And how long did it take you to, to feel pretty comfortable doing it? Forever. Like, oh, it took me a long time. So if you did it tonight, you would still feel uncomfortable? Yes. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Because I don't do it consistently. So I do the improv retreat with Tara Francisco. And I'm, you know, in that, I'm improvising and doing that with, but I don't improvise, you know, every week like all of these people do. So, you know, I love it and I have a great time doing it, but it's like, okay, I'm really nervous. And then afterward, I'm like, okay, I was all right. I didn't die. Um, this is the sixth year of the festival, the yes. Chicago Women's Funny Festival. What are you, what, what is your mission with this? Longevity. I want this to be uh, the 55th year of the Chicago Women's Funny Festival. And do you want to still be part of it? It, until I sh- shouldn't be, okay. <laughs> you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I don't think you know. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, "Oh God, that lady, yeah, yeah, she's yeah. a wreck." She keeps wandering into the. I theater. know. I'm like, ah. yeah. yeah. What is the goal for for showcasing women's talent? Um, I think it's just giving opportunities. You know, um, I love the idea of you know having one building with everyone you know together in one week and you know it's 80 shows 400 performers four days you know and giving everyone passes because it's hard to see each other's work when you're out there you know and performing so it's such an easy thing where it's like oh I just left this theater and now I can watch all my friends now here's another thing you bring up and and I've noticed this certainly here in Chicago improvisers when I started back in the 80s we would go to other people's shows yeah why is it important today for people to go and see other people's show you learn. Like, you learn and you get inspired. You but know? I've been doing it for 20 years. What am I going to learn? What do you say to that? You'll learn more. Like, <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, whenever I go and I see, like, see stuff, afterward I'm like, I have an idea. There's something sparking. There's something going on in my head. You know, I think I'm always, I always get inspired by watching. What if it's a terrible show? It's the worst show you've seen. You learned how not to do it. <laughs> yeah. Last show that really inspired you. Do you remember? Um, just saw Craig Euler and, um, Arch, Ryan Ryan Archibald Archibald. at the improv retreat. And I just watched them and I am like, holy shit. (laughs) Like they are just making bold choices. They're having a blast. They're, you know, they're so smart. Um, yeah. Watching them together was like such a treat. Um, and you've seen women's roles change in the community since you started back in 1999. Yeah. How have they changed? I mean, we're everywhere now, you know? Um, Yeah, girls, okay. Um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, you know, when I started, it was like one, you know, one woman in a comedy group. Now it's half or more, you know, and there's women directors and there's women teachers and, you know, there's producers and, you know, there, there's just so much more. We're out there so much more. And it, for the people that are not uh, fortunate to be in a, a large market like Chicago or Los Angeles yeah. or New York, and th- th- they're probably facing, maybe facing the things that Chicago faced back in the early 80s and 90s, which was an old boys network and stuff like right, that. Yeah. What piece of advice would you give them for women to have a bigger role in their community? I would say find like-minded women around you and, you know, come together and create your stuff. You know, I, I would just say get out there, find your tribe, pull together, and, and do projects. You know, I, I love, you know, working with... I, for some reason, I'm in all women groups right now, but I love it. You know, it's, what do you love about all women's groups versus Cupid? That is more of a is, is a mixed group. Um, well, I loved Cupid. I, I think it was so cool. You know, with with all of the Cupid players, um, but in the you know, it's essentially like off off Broadway. Just my best girlfriends. You know, it's like the most badass comedians and like, oh, we're going to put, let's wear tutus and I'm 40. <laughs> this is awesome, you know? And just uh, just showing the strength, you know, when, when you put all those women together. To me, that's just so empowering. Do you feel like there's more freedom with that? Um, I think it depends on the group you're in. Um, I was really lucky to be in Cupid where I could do anything, like posing, you know, very ensemble driven. And so write, you know, do your own thing, put it up, you know, so I think it depends on the group, but um, I've been lucky with the people I've been working with. And in Chicago, what what do you think that the work still needs to be done for women here? Um, you know, obviously more diversity. I think that's our card right now. I think we need to get diversity on our stages more and more. And any idea how, on how to do that? Because th- th- this is this has been talked about for years. Well, it, it's already happening. Right. You know, it, it's happening already. So it's just, it's, you know, as as the women were coming forward, now the diversity is coming forward, you know. And I think people are making that, like, a, a priority. Yes. I, I think, like, never before. Right. Totally. You Agree. know, like, I think the theaters are really starting to... Uh, you know, embrace it more. And, yeah. I mean, look at, like, Second City. Right. You know, the main stage and ETC yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Now, you're someone who's risen in the community here. There's no question about it. <laughs> why, why, why is that? <laughs> no, you know, I just, you, I don't know. Do you have a hard time owning your success? No, I don't know. That was just really nice of you. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, it's true. Now, most people who, have, who would get to your level here would say, okay, I'm going to New York. I'm going to L.A. Or... Probably, you know, I'm going to go somewhere else and start my own theater yeah. and in some other city. Um, what do you hope by staying here? What do you What do you want to accomplish? Um, well, I'm so lucky in the fact that my family's here. So I grew up on the South Side, meaning I didn't have to leave for comedy, where a lot of people have to come to Chicago to find this kind of, you know, community. Um, so to be close to my family is a huge priority, and I, I love that. Um, and obviously, you know, creating projects, creating opportunities, that sort of thing. You know, the Sketch Fest, the Women's Fest, Stage 773, just to keep these things going and, and have a nice platform for people to perform, get success, maybe, you know, in whatever their next venture is to help with that. What about the desire to be famous, TV and film? Um, <laughs> I think it's weird a little bit. Um, TV, film, or fame? Which one? All of it. Okay. I think it's weird. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
Why is fame work? Tell me. Well, you know, I, we talked a little bit about right. this. You, I, I just think people, I, people treat you a little weirdly, I think, when you're famous. And, I, I, you know, I think, you know, you're put into a weird box. And it's just the fact that you were put on a television screen, you know. I, I don't know. I just think it's a weird thing. I, I think that's a goal for some people, and I don't think that's a bad thing. It's just not my goal. If I got a TV show, am I going to be like, no, no, no. I'd be like, all right, yeah, that's awesome. You know, if I was offered something, of course. But is it like where I have to go, what I need to do? No. The stage is way more in my blood than ever well, than a TV. Would, would like getting on Broadway or, or getting on the Goodman Theater or Steppenwolf here, which is a probably equivalent, equivalent to being on Broadway, it, would that be something great? No. you're not, No? <laughs> Only because I learned this. Okay. Like, so I've done some runs here in Chicago. And what did you do? I've done like Little Shop of Horrors, mm-hmm. Vagina Monologues, Musical of the Living Dead, all this stuff. And I just... These are big shows. Yeah, they're fun. Right, right. Yeah. But um, over doing the same thing over and over again, to me, five nights a week is not pleasant for me. <laughs> like to do the same show five days a week. You know what I mean? Like... It's not pleasant. So what's important to you is creating your own stuff. Yeah, because like Cupid Players, you know, that was, you know, we had an open run, but we would change and work and fix and write and, you know, and create more, you know. So even though it was a 10-year a open run, essentially, you're always changing, creating, working together. And then there's an element of improv and play, you know, where those straight shows, I mean, they're just straight shows, you know. So now we are going to improvise together. Okay. How are you feeling about it? Okay. So you teach at the improv retreat. Yeah. Um, you. Um, so what is like one concept that when you teach improv that you want to instill in your students? Well, when I do that, I don't actually teach improv. Okay. I teach producing because it, she wants all sorts of stuff. So um, I teach more produ- production and producing and the behind the scenes sort of thing. Um, but I guess one thing I because I also do corporate training, which is really weird, too. But Well, tell me what's weird about corporate training. I didn't even know this about you. No? Yeah. No. It's, it's forced on people. <laughs> <laughs> so they're terrified. Like, right. some people won't even show up for work. Um, but once we say, like, just, just participate. Like, the, I'm not asking you to be funny. I'm not asking you to just participate. And then they start chilling out in the middle of the day once they realize they're not going to die, you know. But um, I would say there's a lot of noise, and I like uh, a little less noise, you know. Um, give, give, uh, do you know what I mean by that? Like, less fluff in a scene and more, let's move forward. Okay. Do you kind of get... Yes, uh, like, yeah. direct, let, let, let's, let's, let's keep it going forward. Yes. L- less noise. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, I'll see if I can apply that. Is okay. It, do you want to explain that a little more, or I'll just sure. Okay. So, like when we're working in the and teaching the corporate, there's a lot. So, say you do the human knot or whatever. Okay. Um, it's where people are holding hands and they're knotted up together. And that's and, okay to do in corporate America. There's no right. Okay. Okay. It's yeah. There's I mean, a lot of weirdness because there's right. CEOs doing it with you know right. blah blah blah. So, but it's good because it's it's like when you're in class with us. I don't care what your title is. I want to ask you this because I I teach corporate stuff. Yeah. Do you feel that this is there's a sometimes there's some sexual like energy or se- yes. it's kind of like they're very like okay we do we, we want it really clean and whatever and then all of a sudden 
There's always there always seems oh. to be some sexual energy. Going yes, on. yes. Okay, so it's not just me. No. I'm not projecting. No. Okay. <laughs> it's not some yeah. sort of it's not so, some sort of sick fantasy of mine. Well, right. I don't well, know. that could be true. Yeah. But you you have you experienced that? Yes, and like there's suggestions and and things they're saying in scenes. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so inappropriate. But okay, <laughs> all right, we'll go with it. Um, but like say the human knot, and it's they're they're talking about how to get out of the knot. And when people are joking or making or just talking, it's like, stop the noise and move forward with what's going to get us to the next, you know, what's going to get us out of the knot. So pull all that noise, that extra, you know, all the extra things you're saying to make yourself comfortable and let's untie ourselves. What is going to move us forward in untying ourselves? Well, in improv, that might be not taking your time saying what you True. need to say. You know, because I experience a lot of times improvisers, and I'm guilty as it as much as anyone is like talking themselves out of the scene. Really? You know, like I'm going to talk yeah. too much, and then you're just like, right, not right. giving the part your partner anything. Like it's they're going so fast they don't know what to grab onto. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you just keep talking, 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 filling, filling, yeah. Yes. We got to take a quick break here, and then we'll be right back after this. All right, nice. so we'll take a suggestion. We'll do it right here. Okay. It'll be a quick scene. Okay. Um, so uh, if, uh, what do you usually like to take for a suggestion? Um, whatever you want. You okay. pick. Great. Um, can we have a suggestion of um, a place two people might meet? Australia. Uh, something that would fit on this stage. Long John Silvers. Stage. Long John Silvers. Oh. Okay, great. <laughs> now, was that Mandy who threw that out? Okay. I'm, I'm curious the significance of Long John Silver. Oh, Mandy's, yeah. She, well, Mandy calls it LJS. Okay. Because she's shortened it. And she always loves to go to LJS and get the crunchies. And um, there was one, she, she teared up when one of them closed. Like the closest one to Chicago. She got like physically because emotional. Because there's not even that many in Chicago. No. I can think of one on Western. Is that, Mandy, is one that? Yeah. And there's one in Lincolnwood. That's the one. That's it. Right. So she's okay. elated. Do you, do you think there's more Denny's or more Long John Silver's in Chicago? Well, well, oh, there's definitely more Denny's, but there should be more LJS. Okay. So for people that don't know Long John Silver's, it's, it's a fish restaurant. Yeah. It's a fried fish restaurant. Oh, yeah. Uh, not very good for you, I wouldn't imagine, Mandy, no, right? Horrible. Okay, great. It's like, it's like Okay, so so you hear the, the suggestion, and we had to have a backstory. Why not? Uh, a, a Long John Silver's. How do you process that? Well, that that's where we're going to be, right? Right. Yeah. So, so I just picture us like in a booth. Pictures in a booth. Okay, great. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, great. Okay. I'm waiting. Oh. Okay. I knew you were going to do this. I knew you were going to do this. Invite me out. Don't say anything. <laughs> Don't acknowledge anything. What? Ralph. What? Apologize. <laughs> For what? Oh, my mother. Please. Don't use that language at Long John Silver's. There's kids around. I can do whatever the fuck I want. Please, just... It was just your mom. Yeah. 
It yeah. was right in front of her. Yeah. Well, she okay. she knows. No, she doesn't. She doesn't know about us? No. You're Jewish. You didn't tell me that. <sighs> Fuck, when were you going to do... See? I shouldn't have said that. Long John Silver. <laughs> I know. See? Yeah. It's the sauce. It was the tartar sauce right. that made uh, me say Yes, that. I know. Yeah, she's a wreck. She's a fucking wreck. Why didn't you tell her that? Because you're Jewish. She'd freak. Okay? Go well, on. you're going to have to tell her. You're going to have to tell her. Well, she knows now. Okay. You think she'll come to the wedding? No. Okay. Your no. dad seemed pretty pissed, too. Yeah, he's, he's always pissed. <laughs> yeah, he, he, was, he was mad. But he's fine, you know. He'll come. But I can't get married if my mom's not going to be there. So. I, I know this isn't, like, the right time to bring this up, but... See, they're your daughter, and they really need to pay for the wedding. What? Oh, my fucking mother fuck. Please, don't I'm say that. sorry. I'm sorry. You think they're going to pay for the wedding? Yes. They're not even going to go to the wedding. Well, I think we need to ask them. <laughs> we need to give them the chance to say no. Okay. Go ahead. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave this one to you. Or we could ask your parents to pay. Maybe we could ask your parents to pay. My dad is in prison. Yeah, well. <laughs> your mom ain't. My mom works two jobs. She doesn't have that kind of money. Well, we should give her the chance to say no. <laughs> I am really angry at you right now. Yeah, Okay. Well, I've been okay. furious okay. with okay. you. Okay, okay. Fuck. Fuck, oh, I know. It's this food. It's, it's the food. The it's the fucking food. food. I know. Okay. Are you going to eat your cheesecake or not? No, you can eat it. I don't want it. I just wanted to kind of change the subject. Well, it's not going to change. I cool us down. I know. I know what you do, <sighs> Ralph. I love you. I love you. No, I really, really love you. And, and I want your family to accept me. I do too. But you're going to have to convert probably. Are you into that? To Catholicism? Yeah. Well, it's not that far from Judaism, really, is it? No. There's a lot of guilt. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So much guilt. So much guilt. Yeah. I mean, if you did that, we could probably ask them to pay. Really? Yeah. And maybe you should just do it because of that. I like this idea. It's kind of yes. like naming rights. Like we, yes. you, you, they, they They're going to sponsor. Money. Yes, they'll sponsor, they'll sponsor us. Sponsor yeah. us. Yeah. Okay, great. Okay. okay, so, all right. I will convert. You will? I will, for you. For the money. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay, I think this will work. And we'll raise our kids Catholic, right? You'll be into that. Oh, totally. Okay. I just, we had never talked about kids, so. No, let's that's... talk about it now. I think we should talk about it now. It's At... better we talk about it now. Okay. Than when we get married and then, you know. Okay. So we want to raise the kids Catholic. You say kids with a plural. <laughs> You're saying that with an S. Well, if we're Catholic, aren't we going to have many kids? We're, we're not that Catholic. Okay. 
Jill, that was so much fun. That was so much fun. That was so much fun. And did did we accomplish what your thought of now? Yes. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You did such a great job of the beginning because I, I was lost. Like, I'm like, okay, what's going on? Are we, I, I had an instinct like to propose to you, you know, that I, I, you know, and then I'm like, well, I don't know. Let's see. And then you were angry. And then we just kind of, I love making those kind of discoveries. Like, right. Do you? Yes. I love starting from emotion. I think yes. that's fun. And what emotion did you start with? Because I, I was totally blamed. I think anger. Yeah. yeah I was yeah. a little pissed. Yeah. yeah. And and you knew immediately we were a couple. Yes. Yeah. I, I, no, I don't know. Maybe maybe a little in. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was great. It was great. That was so fun. you started with. So, how did you get to the anger part of the emotion? Like starting with the emotion. I don't know. I think it's just because it was, was it quiet, a, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was great. It was so much fun. Is there anything you would have done differently? I don't know if I, we should ever say that, you know what I mean? Okay. Or think, or go there. Okay. Because you can never, you know, go back. Obviously, you can contemplate and think about it, but it's like an audition. When you, when you leave the room, it's try to put it to rest as much as you okay. can. You don't get in your car and beat yourself up for making the choices and then think about <laughs> killing yourself? No. Is that just me? Is that no. me after no. <laughs> No, I usually, like, call a friend, Liz, who auditions, and I'm like, oh, my God, I just fucking shit the bed, <laughs> or whatever, and, how, and does Liz, how does Liz talk you off the ledge? Liz, like, we both do it to each other. It's just like, she'll be like, you're probably the best in the room, blah, 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 you probably did good stuff, too, and I'm like, no, yeah, there was some, I don't know. But you have been successful in commercials, because you got a yeah. big national campaign. Yes, yeah, And how was that? Delight. Was that? Scary. It was scary because I, I auditioned. I love people that are scared because I'm scared. I'd love to hear it. Well, I auditioned, and actually in the audition, it, I, did, I didn't think it went well. And maybe a month or a few weeks later, they, I got a call from my agent that was like, they're going to fly you to L.A. tomorrow. And I was like, what? She's like, they're flying you to L.A. to audition. And I'm like, okay. And then she said, Peter Farrelly of the Farrelly Brothers is directing the commercials, so he'll be there in the room. And I'm like, uh-huh. And then... I get there and I'm like, I'm a wreck. I, I've never really done this. I, this is no. your first commercial? Uh, I did one like small pizza commercial. So this would be like the second. Where thing. you're the lead and you've got speaking roles. And- it was a side, just one of five people. And okay. yeah, very small. Um, so then I'm in the car because they send a car for you. They fly you, fly you first class. It's like really intimidating. Like a Lincoln Town car? Yeah. Okay. So the guy, you know, and I'm in the car. Valentine, they're holding uh-huh. the sign up at the mm-hmm. airport? Yep. You were not like, were you enjoying this at all? No. Okay, no. great, because I'm, 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 I'm picking it up. No. Put that sign away. Oh, I'm going to take an Uber. Yeah. So right. I was in the car, and then the guy was like, what's going on? I'm like, I'm really nervous. I'm from Chicago, and I'm in, you know, blah, 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 auditioning. And he was like, turned around, and he's like, you're going to get this. They flew you from Chicago to L.A. You got to do this. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so he gave me, like, this awesome, like, he got me, all right, I'm going to do this. And so I went in, and in the room, there was Peter Farrelly, and then, like, three people on a couch, and then there was, a, a, like, a window of, like, 20 people in a room. So this is a callback. Yes. They flew you from Chicago to L.A. for a callback. Yes. Which is... So there's all, the, it's just, like, mind-blowing, because you're, like, seeing something, that, but you're also, like, you have the script in your head, and you're, you know, you're afraid and everything, and so... I auditioned, I did it a bunch, I, you know, it was uh, so much fun, but I was like, on a, you know, afterward I get, you know, 
back in the car and I just go right back to Chicago. And then I got the call that I got it. Now, on the plane, flying back, what do you think? Cacao, cacao, cacao. <laughs> For people that are listening to the podcast, Jill made a, she was, she was pouring a, some sort of alcoholic beverage, yes. probably several, I would guess, because yes. it's a long flight yes. into her mouth. Yes, yes. I was just like, I did it. I, like, I'm done. And then I got off the plane and I was on check avail, which is what they do when they're holding you. It's you and probably another person that yeah. they're considering. Yeah. And and did you think at that point, like, oh, I, I might have it or... I just thought it was a long shot, and my agent kept saying it's a long shot. Like, it's a long shot. You don't know. You know, I think she was trying to calm me down. And then... You, and you're, like, drunk at this point, right? When she's, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, whatever. Right. I did it. Right. And, uh, yeah, so then I, I got it, and then I, they flew me out, and I did three, commer- three nationals, like, filming one each day. And were you terrified when you got on set? I almost fell over. Like, there, the, there's... It's like there's so many people involved in a commercial, like hundreds and trucks and trucks and trucks of stuff. And then you realize you're in the center of this whole thing. And I remember looking up and my legs almost gave out as I was walking toward the set. Like my, my legs were shaking. I was just terrified. How'd you get over it? Call Mandy? Call Liz? Well, at this point, I'm just I'm walking onto set like you just you're going, you know, and I just thought people have done this. People have done this before me. This is a coffee creamer commercial. Calm it down. <laughs> Calm it down. <laughs> and, and then I didn't even know how it was going to film. I was just like, you know, they had me in a car. I barely drive. I'm like supposed to drive. And do stuff. Just like, it was just nuts. But it was so cool. Like it was, it was huge. And did when you did several more after that, did the fear go away? Yeah. By the third one, the, on the third day, I was loving it. I was having a great time. And you're, like, telling people what to do. No, no. <laughs> uh, can I get a cappuccino over right, here? Yeah. Uh, Peter, I think we should yeah. retake this. Right. I, you know. yeah. I was just, like, I thought to myself, if this is the last time I ever do anything like this, I just want to enjoy it so much because this doesn't happen. And so this is so much fun. Like, just really enjoy it. And so by that point, I was just having, I was really loving it. And for people t- uh, who, d- who do commercials, a lot of improvisers do it, Getting something like this, especially from Chicago, is like winning the lottery. Yeah. Did the money change your life? No. Okay. No. Is it as big as everybody says? Yes. Yes, it can be. Yes. Um, But hundreds and thousands of dollars, or no, less than that. Okay. But it's good. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But like, I bought a house. You know, as a big down payment for a house. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So it wasn't like in my pocket all the time. You know, like just doing everything. It was just like here's a chunk for a house. So. It was real estate, essentially. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to take some questions for you. Yeah. All right. About what we just did or just in general about Jill Valentine. Okay. Great. Uh, if we could turn the house lights on. And uh, so if you've got a question for Jill, just put your hand up and we'll get to you. Uh, yes, sir. Right here. Uh, what's your mindset when you're dealing with uh, difficult corporate clients? What is your mindset, Jill, when you're dealing with difficult corporate clients? Um. I think I understand, like, I would be pretty terrified if I was in their shoes, never, you know, they think, they think when you go to do it that you're going to try to make them funny, like, and and that's not it at all. It's really just about, you know, the basics of improvisation and teaching them that and putting it into the office. So I think, um, 
I understand when you, you, you get a lot of pushback, like you have people walking into, like you're like, all right, everybody up on your feet and get in a circle. And people have coffee cups in their hands and like their, their phones and stuff. You're like, no, no, we're going to put those down, you know, because I think it's just nerves and it's just like keeping people engaged and, and keeping it positive is the best way to deal. And do you approach that differently with the corporate people or how do you approach it differently with corporate people than say you're working with, you know, people that you know? Um, uh, I think it's more of like a pep rally for the um, for the corporate clients because when you're working with people you know, everyone's there because they want to be there. You know, these people were kind of forced into it. So, um, you know, very uh, positive. You're doing great. This is awesome. You know, just keep that positive reinforcement. It's almost sometimes like court-ordered improv. Right. right? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. It is. Okay, uh, we've got another uh, no, no, right here. I'm from Pakistan, and uh, uh, in the past few years, uh, there have been more and more women uh, getting into comedy and improvisation. That's awesome. And uh, there, there, there are two things happening right now, which is that women are getting into comedy in general, and improv in general, uh, and there are also a couple of uh, all-women troops, and I'm working with, uh, I'm working with both of them. Um, and a lot of my, a lot of my best friends and a lot of the best improvisers around are, are, are women, which is, it's, it wasn't the case a few years ago, and it, but now it's increasingly the case. That's so, in a, in a situation like mine, which, although you may not be too familiar with it, uh, what do you think is a smarter thing? To focus on uh, women in comedy in general, theater in general, or, or, is the way, or is the way forward to focus on all women troops and finding, uh, you know, sort of collected, unified feminine voices in that way? Mm, I think... No. So, but basically, you're saying is like, do you do you focus on like the bigger picture, yeah, right? Which comes, oh, which comes, which comes first? first, the individual woman in the sea of improv, or women together in all women groups and that kind of that that kind of approach for helping women find their voice in yes. improv. So, yes. so is it let's let's make it globally all theater, or let let's just make a lot of troops, or do you focus on? finding all women groups. Is that what you're saying? Do you focus on creating all women groups or do you focus on just uh, on, on bringing on more mixed groups? I suppose is my question. I don't know. I think both. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think focusing on just, you know, um, the comedy in general and the community is most important, you know, building the community, um, whether that's men and women. You know, yeah. And, and I, I, I'm, I'm curious, this is a, an interesting question because I wonder and with the history of Chicago, it's like, you know, because I would, would you say in the last 10 years, there's been an, an explosion with women or would you say five years where there was there's been a lot more all women groups and stuff like that. And what do you think created that? Opportunities. I just think, you know, we're educating more and more students here in the city. Um and that's, you know, the students are, you know, men and women. I think we see it on TV. You know, we see it everywhere. I, I, think, I think it's been in the last 10 years. And now it's just, it's a thing. We have, you know, hundreds of female comedians. Yeah. Uh, another question for, right here. Oh, you were talking about, you know, how being on screen and being recognized that for, weird is, or for that is weird. Um, what made you make the decision to start auditioning for commercials and get an agent and stuff from like being in a cool like the Cupid players like what made you decide to expand 
career. Jill, I think she's on to something here. Um, so you're doing live theater, and you're also auditioning for stuff. So w what made you just, just to, to do that? I didn't seek it out. I was uh, performing with Cupid, and an agent was in the audience. So you were she, discovered? Well, I don't know. Yeah, I yeah. guess so. <laughs> <laughs> so she came up, and she said, I'd like for you to audition. Would you be interested? And I was like, sure. You know, I like to do at least one or two terrifying things a year. And that was so. There's so much TV, television shows here. Yeah. At least five that I can yes. think of. Four that are like Chicago, PD, Chicago Med, PD, that, Mad yeah. Lawyer, yeah. Postal Worker, right. Sanitation, yes, yes. Garbage Man, all those stuff. You you get cast in that. You're a good thing for you. Yeah, I mean, okay. it would be fun. It'd be great. Yeah, but I, there's no way I'll ever not be on stage. Like this is like in my blood. If I'm not on stage, it's like a runner you know, that doesn't run. It's like if I haven't done a show in a few weeks or a month, I'm like a wreck. I you know, do it. here's the thing that I find amazing about you is like you work here at Stage 773 in an administrative job. Basically, you keep the place going, you know, in terms of people booking shows and all that stuff. How do you balance that? Because that's a demanding job that you have. Yeah. How do you have the energy then, okay, putting on, you know, this festival and Sketchfest and then doing, you know, all different shows during the year. It's like anyone who has a nine to five and does, you know, comedy after hours. You know, this is kind of my nine to five. It just so happens to be in the greatest place on earth, stage seven, seven, three, you know, um, in some place I helped build. So, but that everyone does it, you know, they, they have a nine to five and then they go and they do rehearsals and shows and. But as we get older, Jill, we oh, have less and I'm less no, energy. You were just telling me Sketchfest the first year, it was like you guys would party till five o'clock in the morning and then you would go and teach a workshop at yes. 10 a.m. We can't do that no. anymore. That's why as you get older, you will get choosier with Thank projects. You. Thank you. I like how you say that, like yes. I'm as young as you are. I like that. Right. I appreciate we that. We are. Yeah. So when I get older, I'll be more choosy. Yes. No, it's good to know. Yes. It's great to know. I'll yes, tell you. right here. I appreciate what you said about competitive speech and debate around. Were you a competitive speech coach? Were oh, you? you were. In Where? In Ohio. Okay. Oh, cool. Okay. And. Uh, Oh my God! <laughs> How you guys were unscripted? Oh, cool. And so, uh, but I, I know that schools constantly cut programs like that. So, uh, your success from some of that, what would you tell an administrator to keep that program? What would you tell an administrator, Jill, to keep speech and debate going? Oh my gosh. Oh, there's so many reasons. Um, it's it's a to me it's like another artistic you know voice you know it's another facet of the arts community um so when you cut that you're cutting you know you're cutting artists like you know theater it's it's definitely like a facet of theater you know i don't know it was such a huge part of my life this weird little world but um yeah it got me it, it got me also to think about um uh producing um, because you start you have to kind of do your own thing and then put it on stage so uh, kind of doing your own projects is what it, it you know make your own thing so I think that's why like when I came here it was like make this make this make this you know I think that spawned it a little bit yeah. Great. It's good to see you guys from Columbus, Ohio, unscripted. I had a fun time teaching workshop, but it was a couple of years ago. Thanks for coming to the show. Uh, another question for Jill, right over here. Do you have any stories about Peoria, Illinois, from that 
Big L's. Oh my God, we've got a couple of your friends from Peoria. Do you have a story? They want to hear a story about Peoria. Peoria. Big L's. Big L's is what? It's the trashiest strip club in Peoria. (laughs) And there was a bar, I don't remember the name of it, but um, there was a bar that was next door that you had to pay a cover for. But if you went through Big L's, went up the stairs and go down, you could go into that place for free. Why are you laughing? Why are you embarrassed about it? I know, I'm just laughing because we would walk in and they're like, oh, chicks, the chicks are coming in, man, for the strip club. And we'd be like, yeah, we're here to see the boobs. And then we'd be like, ooh, go over the Yeah. Do you know that place, Big Al's? Okay. Never been there. No one's saying you've been there, right? Right. Your husband been there? Oh, yeah. Your ex-husband has been there? Okay, great. Okay, great. You had a question right here. Yeah, um, it's talking about producing. What do you think is an element you can identify with an ensemble to keep it going for longevity? Keeping an ensemble. What's the element to keep an ensemble going? I think... um, Keeping everyone, keeping the, communi- the lines of com- communication open. What do you want? What do you need? You know, as an individual in this ensemble, um, you know, with like the broads, they're my best girlfriends. But literally, like you know, as, as life evolves and changes, you know, we we cater the schedule to what's going on in people's lives because it's not about you know, it doesn't end on the stage. It's all about the people, you know, and the family aspect of it because. You know, as you say, as we get older, you're going to pick who you want to work with, you know, and and who empowers you and who makes you look great and who you can make look great, you know, like-minded people. I got two questions off that. One is, what do you deal with somebody who's kind of a pain in the ass and an, an, an ensemble? How do you confront that uh, in, in, a, in, in a constructive way? Obviously, open communication, find out what's going on. Um, again... No one is talented enough to be a dick, okay? Literally, if they're a dick, they can go away. You know what I mean? And, it, and if there's a tox, toxicity or, you know, something in that group that's not helping the group move forward, sometimes it's say, Are you, you don't seem like you're happy here, you know? Maybe it's time to hit the road, you know? That's okay. Now, does, does the group do it, or does the group enlist the director to help them? If, yeah, it depends on how you do it. Like, Cupid obviously had Brian Posen as a longtime director, so Brian would, you know, facilitate that. If you're just an ensemble without, uh, without someone, you know, that's directing you, usually there's someone spearheading or moving the group forward in some capacity, or you guys can decide on who might that be, or someone's closer to that person that might have that conversation. But it's literally like, you're not happy because you're, you're being awful, you know? <laughs> So obviously you're not happy. You know? The other thing, and this is not my question, this is someone, uh, someone uh, one of the listeners had, had emailed me because we were asking for questions. How do you find your voice in an ensemble? Mm. Wow, that's a good question. I think it just, over time, it'll develop. You know, I think you keep, it, it's always about learning um, and, and doing Learn and then do it. Just do it and keep doing it, and and it'll come. Great. Um, any more questions? I think we have one more. Qu- well, two here. Yes. Um, I wanted to ask um, when you have like improv rehearsals, and sometimes when you have an ensemble, like you have a group 
it's difficult to get everybody together. And um, over the time, you have people who participate less because of their life events. And do you prefer having like more rare rehearsals, rehearsals where you um, have the whole group together, so you have the chemistry going on with everybody, or do you keep it more regular and having, let's say, half of the group really, really bonding over the time, so strongly, and the people who, like, the rest of the group, like, joining whenever they can, but this, this works with the group dynamics, so, so it's, it's always like a debate or, uh, with our groups inside. Where, where are you, where, 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 I'm where from you, Poland. from Poland, great, um, and so, the, so in, in Poland, the community is like, rehearsals, people can, they have very little time to do yeah, it? It's, it's, basically, uh, improv stage in Poland is like 10, 10 years old, around, mm -hmm. so uh, people have a lot of heart in it, but um, you basically have to do it in your free time after daily job. And uh, you have a lot of I don't know, family uh, responsibilities, or um, just it's very hard to, 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 to get your time together. So, so what would you say? Does, does it make sense to wait and say, okay, we all it's going to be a month, but we all can meet for three hours. We're going to do a rehearsal. Just once a month. Once a month. Yeah. Or do we keep doing rehearsals every week and saying, okay, well, half of us can make it. It's better than, than not having a rehearsal. What do, you, what do you think would make the most sense? I think it probably depends on um, who's doing the show, too. Like, you know, the show is, like, obviously the, the goal. Um, so is it always, like, a few people at a show or a half of the group at the show? Because if it's the half a group, then you might as well just rehearse with half the group you know, more often. If you always, if they're there for every show, you have everyone for every show, then I would do, you know, it, I, would, I would try to get everyone in a room at the same time. So it just depends on, you know, how many people you have at your shows. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna take this one, uh, there's two more questions. So I'm gonna take this one and then we'll have one more and then we'll need to wrap it up. Yeah. Thank you. Um, we have open workshops weekly. Uh, and there seems to be a pattern of um, the women are there for a couple of months and then they just disappear while the men stay. Uh, this is in Poland, right? No, this is in Norway. This is in Norway, yeah. okay. <laughs> I love that every, we've got so many, oh my gosh. this is great. So in Norway, the, the, the women... They, 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 well, they, they, they seem to like it and they stay for a couple of months and then they sort of just disappear and you never see them again. Uh, while the men joining at the same time they seem to be staying longer and we've been trying to figure out how we better can facilitate uh, diversity um, mm. but we sort of like we tried different things without success so I was wondering if you had any thoughts on how we better can facilitate uh, so in, in Norway uh, the, the, the women join and, and then and then they actually leave. The men stay when they start improv. Is is there any? What I would do is I would go and find those women and find out why. You know, maybe they're not having a good experience, or is there? You know, see if what I would do is I would pool all of them and I would say, what was your experience? Why did you? You know, and and maybe there will be some consistencies. Maybe it's just like. You know, maybe it's random, but I would definitely go back and have a sit down and find out what's happening. 
Great. We got one more question. That's it. Okay. Um, my God, this has been great. Thank you. And we always uh, ask the same question. I don't know why I need to read the question because we always ask it. We've only been asking it, you know, the last 150 episodes. Um, what piece of advice would you give someone starting out in improv today? I would say find your tribe of people that empower you and that you empower. Okay. What if they're not coming to me? Find them. They're there. I promise you they're there. You will find that group. They're there. Those people are out there. All right. Jill Valentine, thank you so much for being our guest on Improv Nerd. And there you have it, another great episode of Improv Nerd. I want to thank our guest, Jill Valentine. I want to thank Stage 773. And I want to thank the uh, 6th Annual Chicago Women's Funny Festival for having us be a part of this year's festival. And wasn't that cool? All of those people from all over the world who listened to Improv Nerd, who were in Chicago, came out. I, I, let me tell you something. That really was cool. Poland, Argentina... What am I? Romania was that in there? I, I there was just a lot. It was very oh Columbus, Ohio. Let's not forget that. And Peoria, Illinois. Ah, pretty pretty cool. It, it did make me feel like a big shot. And afterwards, they also uh, a couple people wanted pictures with me. So my ego was was taken care of. Don't don't worry about that. I'd like to thank my uh, producer Dan Schiffmacher. He's the one who makes me sound so slick and so professional. If it wasn't for Dan, you would not be hearing my voice right now. Also, Sam Bowers, who is the director of Improv Nerd, the, the live version of Improv Nerd. Uh, if you want more information about me, Jimmy Crane, and my award-winning intensives, workshops, and classes called The Artist Low Comedy, and to sign up for our newsletter, which each week I will send out an improv blog that will help you become a better improviser and a better person, well, the better person's up to you. Go to my website, jimmycarain.com. Follow us on Twitter at improv underscore nerd. Like us on Facebook, Improv Nerd, our Facebook page, because it really helps with my low self-esteem. And like I said, subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, which is Improv Nerd Podcast, all one word, at YouTube. We are so lucky to be part of Feral Audio, some of the funniest and innovative podcast out there on feralaudio.com. So go there, check it out. Now, if you want to support this podcast and you want to support Feral, all the great stuff Feral's doing, and you're going to buy something from Amazon, before you buy something from Amazon, go over to feralaudio.com, hit that portal that says buy from Amazon, the Amazon buy button, and we get a couple pennies our way. That's a great way to support us. All right. Um, I think that's it. Until next time, remember, walk, don't run. Hello, I'm Dave Ross. Hey, and I'm Hampton Yunt. And we host Suicide Buddies on Starburns Audio. That's right. It's a podcast about suicide, but not to make light of it. We actually talk about suicidal thoughts, depression, kind of with a sense of levity that Dave and I have with each other. He's my best friend. Come on. Yeah, we're buddies. <laughs> suicide Buddies. <laughs> That's the title. One of our favorite episodes that we've recorded so far is about this guy, Jan Pataki, who was a Polish aristocrat in the 19th century. Mm -hmm. And he, uh, one of the reasons it's possible that he killed himself <laughs> is that he thought he was a werewolf. Oh. Check out a clip. It also makes me think, like, we were talking about in the Norway uh, black metal episode, how, like, just the culture of your surroundings can affect you. Like, yeah. he's in a castle in Poland. <laughs> 
He's like, I mean, if yeah. you lived in a castle in Poland and no one knew anything about anything, you might be like, I'm a bat. I'm probably a bat. <laughs> <laughs> That's like literally what happened to Batman. <laughs> He literally is in his mansion. He's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm, I'm a, a bat. bat. I'm a bat. I'm a <laughs> bat. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bat. bat that helps people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bat that helps people. I'm a, I'm a I don't know what you want from me. And, uh, my, and my a, girlfriend, she's a cat. She's a cat. My she, girlfriend's she, a cat. She steals things. She's a woman who steals things. She's a cat. I'm a bat. I'm a I bat. Help people. She's a cat. We fight a penguin. My. Uh, my <laughs> <laughs> 